0: Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the Extra Mile podcast. This is Will Brogan from Commercial Truck Training bringing you into yet another interview that Ken Taylor has had the opportunity to conduct, this time with Gil Weiss, founder of Automotive Training Team. And uh, as you listen to this, we've broken it up into two parts. Part one, you'll hear in just a second. Uh, I challenge any listener to find a topic that these two did not cover in commercial and fleet sales. It is extensive and it's a lot of fun. So I'm going to let those two take it away. Here's Ken with Gil Weiss, founder of Automotive Training Team.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome to our podcast. We have a very special guest with us today, and I can also qualify him as, as a very good friend at the same time. Gil Wise, president of the automotive training team uh, out of Virginia. And Gil, welcome to our podcast. Well, Ken, thank you for having me. I'm excited about being here. Well, I, I'm excited. You know, it's, it's uh A little kind of interesting, Uh, I think you and I were both kind of under the same impression that, God, is there anybody else who does commercial in this world? Because I couldn't find anybody, and suddenly we're doing a project together, and lo and behold, uh, a match made in heaven.
0: (laughs) Yes, there is another guy. Imagine that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I've got some questions for you today, and then feel free to uh, add anything that you wish. First, uh, give our audience a little bit of history on how you got started in the commercial and fleet side of automotive.
0: Well, like everybody in this business, it's, a, it's been a crooked path, right? There's been a lot of uh, uh, unlikely places that we all come from. Uh, I've been in motor vehicle-related businesses all of my life. I uh, started in the uh, aftermarket tire and auto service industry. I uh, then started in the motorcycle industry. And incidentally, the motorcycle business reminds me an awful lot of commercial and, and the heavy truck business because there's, everybody uses a car for the same thing, but there's so many different applications for motorcycles. There's so many different applications for trucks. So it's really it's a lot more of a craft, I think, than, than, than cars are. From there, I uh, got into the uh, retail automobile business, and uh, pretty soon found myself in a, in a training role, in-dealership in training role. And there aren't too many dealerships that have have trainers, And uh, but I, I had that job as a recruiter trainer. Did it for a large import store, got recruited by a large domestic store, and that was the first time that I got an exposure to the truck business. It wasn't my first exposure to trucks, but my first exposure to working in a business that sold trucks. And uh, I had the good privilege of uh, being there when we started a commercial truck department. Like a lot of dealers, uh, we, we carried some commercial trucks, but we actually started a department. And I got to be part of seeing it grow and, and doing some de- developing some internal uh, personnel development training specifically for the commercial truck department. Uh, that caught the uh, attention of the manufacturer that we work with, and when I left a couple of years later to start my own training company, working mostly with local dealers and dealer groups on sales and process training with retail salespeople and sales managers mostly, uh, I got a phone call from our former manufacturer's rep who had found himself in in-commercial truck and gave me a call and said, hey, these guys don't get a lot of training, which was true at that time. And uh, I'd like to, I got a little bit of budget to put something together. Would you be interested in, in, in partnering with me to put this on? And so we did, and that program kind of spread around uh, the country. And uh, it was really my first foray into working with, with vehicle manufacturers. I picked up some other manufacturers and then got, was recruited by NADA, uh, which is their sister organization, American Truck Dealers, as their uh, director of custom curriculum. And I had a great experience there because I got to learn head truck business. I'd been involved with up through Class uh, uh, 5 and to some degree 6 and 7, but these were Class 8 truck dealers. And uh, so I got a great education in developing training products for them, working with their internal subject matter experts for authenticity. Uh, After about four years, I I left and went back into the consulting role. actually bought back my, my original company that I sold when I went to work for them. And because of all the uh, contacts with the car companies uh, and truck companies that I had made during my time there, uh, I've now uh, changed my focus to where almost most of my training is with the car companies, less with
1: dealerships. With wow, uh, very interesting. Uh, uh, road and roll, so uh, outstanding. And, you know, it's kind of interesting Uh, how you've diversified and and you, you, like us, have adapted to that business because I actually started out training mortgage bankers (laughs) and now here I am training commercial dealers. So it's usually an indirect road. I don't think anybody ever starts out with that idea in mind. So, uh, wow, great. Thanks for sharing that with us. Gil, your consulting and training covers a wide range on actually both the retail side of automotive as well as commercial and fleet. Uh, Can you give our listeners some details on all the services that you're able to provide?
0: Well, I can, yes. And it's funny because uh, people who meet me in a commercial training environment that also know you, they, they assume we just do exactly the same thing. And what I explain to them is, is that we do do a lot of the same things, but we also each do things that the other does not do. <clears throat> and it gives me an opportunity to promote some of the services that you provide that they can benefit from. Uh, I do, uh, both, as you mentioned, both car and truck. And in addition to doing training, I also do curriculum writing for hire. And uh, in doing that, uh, I had the good fortune during my time at NADA ATD uh, was uh, I got sent to a lot of great classes where we learned to focus on how adult learners learn. And I've learned to put together content of presentations that are really engaging, a lot of fun, and yet still very content-robust, uh, and, and to be able to do that on subjects that aren't necessarily entertaining subjects, truck specking comes to mind, right?
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's nuts and bolts of math. And, and frankly, I don't even like to do math in public. But uh, it's necessary when you do truck specking. And one of the things that we do to help them, because, you know, most of the manufacturers now have very sophisticated software that helps them spec the trucks, uh, and, and that's really not my role to teach those programs. They have the, Those computer vendors have their own personnel who do a great job. Uh, what they bring me in to do is to uh, teach people how to manually spec trucks. And I always start the class out that, hey, we're going to teach you how to manually spec trucks so that you won't want to. Right? <laughs> I love it. So, and, and, well, what do you mean by that? Well, so that uh, you're going to want to use the software because the software doesn't make math errors. The software will catch some of your mistakes, but you also can't rely on the software, you know, to do everything, right? And so uh, what we do is we walk them through, we teach it from the perspective of cause and effect, Right. What does lengthening the wheelbase do that's good? What does lengthening the wheelbase do that's bad? When is it a good thing? When is it a bad thing, right? What increases your payload? What decreases it? What are some of the pitfalls to avoid in specing a truck that's so robust that it requires a CDL driver when you could have specced one that didn't? And that ends up being a, a huge cost to the company that you sold it to. And so we do a lot of those kinds of things. Uh, We also make sure that we talk to the middle of the room. We have to come up with uh, explanations about rather technical things that the technically oriented people in the room have an appreciation for, and the way they use that is it allows them to explain it to non-technical people, and in doing so, it helps the non-technically oriented people in the room understand uh, some, some, some things about the workings of, of a truck. So that, that's, that's a neat thing. Oh, well. uh, we also find it in the social world that we find that people like to share their experiences. And so we've, we've uh, gotten away from the, the lecture model, right? Most people get in the training business, they model the teachers that they had throughout their educational experience. And that used to be the stand in front of the room and lecture and then maybe test afterwards. Well, that doesn't really work too well with adult learners. It doesn't work great with, with children, but children are more tolerant of it. Adult learners, they, they can't sit still. They're impatient. They have to be engaged. And so what, what we do, and I know you do this too, Ken, is we try to pull as much knowledge out of the room as we can. Uh, Absolutely. And then, the, and then let the instructors and the and the other subject matter experts in attendance fill in the blanks. And what we find is, is that they... Uh, they hold each other's attention even better than we can as professional trainers sometimes because everybody wants to hear how the other guy is having success, and they also want to learn from their, you know, their hardship stories, too, of where things things went, went wrong. And so that's one of the things. So a lot of times, really, our training classes, feel more like a 20-group meeting than they feel like a training class because it's all about sharing best practices. It's all about uh, comparing sales performances against uh, against any type of a known norm that there might be. And uh, so the, the guys really get a lot out of it that way. So to that point, even though we walk in sometimes with the same PowerPoint and the same book we've used before, the class has, sometimes takes on a completely different feel from other class. I'm sure you find that too
1: oh absolutely it's it 's that learn by doing models that makes such a huge difference and and you 're right and and the byproduct is someone else is telling them what we reinforce or we 're going to tell them which so is adds that much more truth to what we 're trying to attend so uh, good point, really good point. Well, one thing I want to let all our listeners know that I rely on um, your company quite a bit for things that we don't do. And probably a prime example is um, Isuzu. Uh, they asked me uh, regarding uh, financial training, which I do, but I would rather you know, hand that to an expert. So uh, I was able to call uh, Gil, and, and you guys are now going to be doing a project. In fact, we're probably going to be at the same meeting in just a few weeks.
0: Yes, looking uh, forward to it.
1: Oh, I am, too. So in that regard, I I always tell people, uh, because I I give seminars to particularly the one manufacturer that we both work with uh, on a constant basis, and they always ask me, well, gosh, you know, um, there's another guy that kind of does what you do. And I said, yeah. I said, we're actually kind of partners, and that's the way I like to explain it, that uh, we're really partners, not competitors, because there's one thing I know for sure, if I turn a client over to you, you still promote what we do as well as if I take one of your clients, I promote what you do and turn them back to you. So um, I know uh, we were both kind of surprised when we found out, hey, there's another guy that does what I do. Um, so uh, in that regard, uh, just share a little bit uh, you know, about how we work together just so the audience will know.
0: Well, I would echo the same thing. I was, I was surprised that there was a, someone else that, that did it. Uh, but I was also delighted at the same time because it's given me somebody to collaborate with and and share intel with, right? Because we all hear things, we both hear things that would would help the other, and we we unofficially have those calls. And a lot of times it's a it's a intended to be a two or three minute call because we just had a quick question, and it ends up being an hour conversation because we think of <laughs> so many other things to talk about. And, Absolutely. Uh, so so yeah, and and it's and it really is refreshing because. You know, in every industry, uh, and, and certainly on, on the retail side as well, you know, there's a lot of bad training out there. And by bad, I don't mean that it's inaccurate, but that it's being taught by individuals that lack the passion for the location. Yeah, they could be at a car meeting or a truck meeting, but they could just as easily be at a Procter & Gamble or a Xerox Type of an environment where they're teaching things in an industry generic manner and that's, that's not really, we're, we're, we're way too busy for that. In our fast paced world, it needs to speak to the job role holder and it needs to be relevant to them and it needs to be, be, be vetted uh, as well. And that's something that you and I uh, both do that really makes a, a big difference. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's 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 really been a great has been a great partnership. Another thing too that when I when I tell my colleagues uh, that do training on the automotive side, uh, when I tell them that uh, that you and I will actually share materials, they're like aghast because that is unheard <laughs> of, right? That's oh, your intellectual property. It just takes so long to develop those things, uh, and that that we will. Hey, if you have anything on this topic, yeah, I've got something. I'll send it over and that we do that both ways, and what it, what it really does, and I think really the lesson there for the people who sell commercial trucks for a living is that uh, we're starting to see a little shift in mentality. It used to be dealers would hold their inventory captive, and they wouldn't want to share it with them. Hey, if I don't, if I don't let them have it, the customer will find their way to me, and that was kind of the mentality, and while that can be true to a point, uh, I, I'm finding that the dealers who are, are more open about sharing products, they don't have 17s and 16s on their lot because it creates artificial volume that aren't trucks that they sold. And every time they deal or trade out a truck, it gives them an opportunity to look at that truck and say, okay, well, I, I'm, I'm going to order a replacement for this, but what would I do differently this time? Why have I lost deals on that truck? oh, I lost deals because, you know, it doesn't have a hands-free feature, and my state just passed a law where you have to be able to talk hands-free and driver safety and compliance and some of these kind of things. So it gives us that opportunity to keep perfecting uh, what our inventory actually is. So I really believe that a lot of times people are are too concerned about their competitors. Uh, Chances are, in most cases, their competitors can help them a whole lot more than they can hurt
1: them. Well, absolutely, and everybody looks good in the process. And, you know, it's funny, Gail, because I'm seeing this exact same thing. You know, the dealers that are very open to sharing, uh, we tell them as part of our presentation, you know, build relationships with your competitors. And uh-huh. and often I will cite our relationship is not really one of competitive. It's one of uh, enhancement, you know. I, yes. You know, uh, michael kennedy at azuzu was delighted once he talked to you and found out there was an uh, you know someone to do uh, what they were asking and that only helps me it makes me look that much better in the eyes of my customer and and dealerships are starting to realize that too that as we help each other we all benefit so great point awesome point Well, let's look at the crystal ball just for a second, and how do you see the automotive business, and and in particular the fleet and commercial side of the business, how do you see it changing for 2019 or or anything going on that you think is going to be impactive to the business?
0: Well, I, I actually think that it's going to get a little better, and it's hard to imagine the truck business getting much better than it is when the biggest complaint I've been hearing this year is we can't get trucks. Now, if we couldn't, we can't get enough trucks because they've they've cut back on production, well, that would be one thing, but that's simply not the case. They're producing at record numbers. They're running these plants. I mean, you know, some of these plants, there's a truck rolling off, every minute and uh so i mean how much faster can we build them and so uh even the body companies that normally are kind of our fail safe our go-to uh backup plan for inventory when we don't have enough wow we just get one from the body company well the body companies don't have them and in some cases uh the the vehicle manufacturers told them say hey we're done for the year whatever you have ordered that's all you're getting all of our all of our build capacity has been been committed for 2019. It's not true of all manufacturers, but everybody is delivering trucks. Uh, they have they have more demand than they have ca- capacity, so that's that's positive. But also, if you look at the SAR, the seasonally annually adjusted uh, selling rate uh, for cars, it's going to it's it's leveling off and starting to taper down ever so slightly. But it's tapering down from. Multiple record years, 17 million plus years. That's only happened a couple of other times in history prior to this run that we've had. So, if it drops to 2016 or even to excuse me, to 16 million or even 15 million, uh, like uh, that's those are still great years. But the news is even better than that on trucks. On trucks, it's not leveling off and trending down. It's actually forecasted to go up. Uh, for the next couple of years at least. Everybody's afraid to forecast much further than that. But we're seeing uh, increases in every size class range, class 1 and 2, class 3 to 5, and class 6 to 7, and even class 8. Uh, the other thing, too, is, is that uh, the biggest growth is in class 6, 7, which we usually refer to as medium-duty trucks, and that's where the biggest growth seems to be. So uh, we're getting more manufacturers that are, that are, that are jumping into that. And uh, so I, I see that it's, it's, it's full speed ahead. The other thing, not only is there an increase uh, forecasted, but I think that there's some upcoming volume that's hidden in, from the SAR calculation, and that is all the companies who are trying to buy trucks that are having difficulty buying trucks this year because of the aforementioned supply problem. And so I think that those people will be getting their trucks next year or which is now this year 2019 and so uh, so I it, it, it seems like things are moving in the right
1: direction to me uh, and we're, and we're seeing it and along those lines it's kind of interesting go we're getting more and more dealers calling us. Wanting to get into the commercial business, that have either never been in it, or uh, a term I use, and I know you're familiar with it, they've played at it. They haven't taken yeah. it seriously. You know, they've hired, they've they grabbed a young guy off the retail side and said, "Guess what? You're now our commercial guy." And his question is, "Well, that's great. What is commercial?" Yeah, right. <laughs> and it goes from here. So, and oh, by the way, there's no one to teach them. Oh, yeah, there's no one to teach them unless they've heard about you, you or I. So, right. Uh, with that in mind, what specific advice would you give to a dealership that has never been in commercial and fleet, but is thinking about getting started?
0: Well, first of all, it's it's a great profit opportunity, and I don't think we need to go into all the reasons why it is. Most of the people listening would would know what those reasons are. So once we get past that, then the, then the next thing to decide is that they need to make their decision with their eyes wide open. As, as you imply. this is not a place for dabblers. This cannot be a wavering commitment where we want to do this year and we'll throw some resources at it, and eh, next year we're going to back off. Uh, it, it's, I think that a dealership needs to be in the commercial truck business or out of the commercial truck business. Uh, it's, uh, the dabblers, it just doesn't work well. They end up with a lot of aged inventory issues. They end up with uh, employee turnover issues. And they probably only have one person, maybe two, if they're just starting out. So if that person leaves, they've they lost 100% of their staff. What if that happened on the retail <laughs> side? Uh, uh,
1: disaster.
0: And you can't train people up as quickly on trucks because there's so much more that, that they need to know.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But, no, all good points, and, and and we're seeing the same thing. You know, it's interesting. You and I give the same advice. You know, we tell, look, you know, here's here's the inventory you're going to have to commit to. Uh, here's the shift you're going to have to make in even your internal personnel. You know, if they're all trying to take up when a commercial guy walks onto the floor you know how many commercial deals are lost because a retail guy tries to sell them, and they don't know anything about the back of the truck, and it's mm-hmm. just amazing. And we see that very, very often. So, uh, all good points. Thank you. You are dead on with exactly the same thing that we're seeing. Well, Gail, you've got to have one or two funny stories in all your time in this. Anything you could share with us on on those lines?
0: Well, well there, there's so many. I, I tell you, one of the things that we do that tends to, to bring out a lot of funny stories, too, is that uh, one of the things I'll do from time to time in my classes is I'll have a little segment I call Stump the Chump, right? Or I'll say, okay, uh, how about I'll be you and you be your most difficult customer and just – Pull the pin on the grenade. Give me all you got, right?
1: And not, <laughs>
0: I love it. not everybody wants to do that, but there's always somebody in the room that is absolutely willing to box with the kangaroo down at the county fair, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, and so anyway, so a lot of funny stories come up with that. And it was, I was doing that one day, and somebody says, "Well." What do you do when somebody wants, uh, what's an example? They want to they want to buy a Class 3 truck to replace a Class 3 truck, a cab and chassis, let's say, when they've told you a little bit about how they're going to use it, and you know from all the ones you spected for the same vocation, it's going to take a Class 5. Or maybe if we can find out exactly what they're doing, maybe we'll get lucky and a Class 4 would do the job. And the customer says, hey, I don't care about that. Hey, don't try to upsell me. Just sell me a Class 3 truck. What should you do? And it reminds me of uh, a story that came up in class where uh, someone came in with that exact someone came with a bit of a chip on their shoulder, insisting on buying a class three truck. And after a little bit of dialogue, the commercial truck person who knew their business realized it was the wrong thing. And he goes, "Well, you, you need a four or five. Well, sell me a three. He says, "Well, I, I, I won't do that." What do you mean you won't do that? You won't sell me a truck? No. If you want to buy a class three, I won't sell it to you. If you're gonna, if you want to buy the wrong truck, you need to buy it from somebody else. And of course, the guy had some expletives on his way out the door. Figured <laughs> we'd never, never see him again. Well, the guy ends up coming back in sometime later. First thing he did, he finds the guy. He says, "Do you remember me?" "Yeah, I remember you." He says, "Well, first thing is, I want to apologize to you." Turns out you're right. Tell me what I need, and I'll buy it and he did. now Okay. Now that'd be funny enough of a story if it turned to one truck. Fast forward a few years later, these two guys are best of friends. They their families go on vacation with each other. So that's the other point and and here's the point to the story is that a lot of times because we uh unless we're a class 8 truck dealer, we're probably working out of a retail car facility with the commercial truck department and so a lot of the culture of a car dealership permeates the commercial truck department and so we just want to sell the next truck roll the next unit and so what happens is is that we don't necessarily see the value of developing that long-term relationship and with trucks people often buy them in multiples and their businesses tend to grow And as a result, if we could just nurture a few customers, it's not about trying to contact the world. It's about doing a really, really good job and building a really, really close relationship with a select number of commercial accounts. And it's the gift that keeps on giving. And that's just a a great example where it really started out ugly, but by doing the right thing, uh, it's amazing how often just doing the right thing, even when it seems painful at the time, uh, brings us a lot of great uh, great riches in the long run.
1: Oh, hundred 100%. Gosh, we've got so many stories very similar to yours. And the interesting thing we find out about that commercial customer, because there are, are such a shortage of what I call really quality professional salespeople on that side, is uh, you're not just a truck guy, you're their truck guy. And right. uh, they tend to become your best referral sources, and we tell people over and over, don't neglect. You know, it 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 moves from salesperson not trusted to salesperson trusted to friend, and when it reaches the friend point, then you're their customer for life, unless you do some really bad things. <laughs> yeah, loyalty so.
0: transitions into advocacy, and they 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 send other business your way because. You know, sometimes we miss, miss the idea that, hey, we know a lot of people in the car and truck business because we're in the car and truck business. But people who are self-employed business people, they know a lot of other self-employed business people oh, in man. their own vocation and in any other vocation, for that matter, right? And, hey, there, there are a lot of times they're located in industrial parks. They have business neighbors, right, the uh, the, the plumbing contractor is right next to the fence contractor who's right next to and it goes on from there and so these people do know each other and so it can be a great source for uh referrals in that regard
1: oh absolutely you know it's, it's funny i was on a sales call with a dealership uh gosh last month and we they got a first appointment with with a, a brand new prospect, and we had a great meeting. They were shocked by the amount of knowledge that this person knew, as well as the knowledge I brought to the table. And at the end of that meeting, uh, I said something that I say a lot, even and I normally don't do it on a first call where we haven't, you know, built a customer relationship yet. But I said, "Hey, gosh, you know, you mentioned you've been at this location for 12 years. You must know some of the businesses around you." He said, well, yeah, we do. We've got a great relationship. And I simply said, hey, would love to stop by and introduce ourselves, uh, not asking for a referral, but would you mind if we just stopped in and mentioned that you and I had met today? And he said, absolutely. He gave us four names, and we made four more sales calls with a referral from someone who had never bought a truck. So wow. there's so many ways to do this business. And uh, But wow. you are dead on.
0: Well, we certainly hope you enjoyed the first half of the interview between Ken and Gil Weiss. Uh, The second one is a little bit shorter, but it's being posted at roughly the same exact time. So you should be able to bounce from part one right to part two. So look for that in our Extra Mile podcast. Thanks so much.